0: What's up, everybody? Man, Chris, good to be back in the uh, Cud Talk Studio. Studio. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all could see. It's, it's probably all relative, right? It's, it's probably all like this in most studios of anything you watch if you're watching on Facebook. Um, but uh, this looks nice. But then you, what I'm looking at behind me is all yeah, like
1: uh, there's a clock, a lamp without a
0: shade, <laughs> a stools that are back there stacked in a corner. Yeah, we're, yeah, good. Good, we're studio. good. Good studio. Good. We're good.
1: It's safe. Whatever. So, it man, works.
0: hope you've had a uh, good week. Um, I have been loving this weather. Uh, me and yes. my family have been playing outside. I bought a new grill. Um, I don't know if you're –
1: do you grill a lot? No. We we used to grill some. We kind of went Blackstone now yeah. because my other grill's dead anyway, so it's kind of like my only option. Oh, yeah, got gotcha. But it's a good option, but yeah. the only one we have right now.
0: Well, I bought so. a new grill, and uh, I only got a grill on it Friday night. I bought it Friday – bought it Thursday. and I only got a grill on it Friday. And this week is like a super busy week. Me and my family sat down on Monday night and I said, this is the only night we're going to sit down and eat as a family. So I got this brand new grill and I can't even grill on it because we have every evening is planned with something else until next week. And it's kind of frustrating and it's beautiful. It's going to be 80 when this podcast comes out, it's going to be 80 degrees up In South Carolina. Nuts.
1: We talked about this. We're just ready for the time change. 80 degrees and more daylight. I know. Let's go. I know. So,
0: hey, if you're listening, uh, just hang in there. We're almost there. By the time you hear this, we will have two weeks, I think. I think we'll have two weeks from Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Two weeks from Sunday, and we'll get time change. If you're watching, uh, you see that we have these nice coffee cups. Um, they came from right behind me here. I don't know how long they've been sitting there, yeah. but they don't smell good. Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> we're drinking, or at least I am, drinking from a coffee cup that you've seen here for a while that is not tasting good. Yes. So anyway, but hey, all that aside. Sunday, all, March 12th. Sunday, March 12th. Yes, there we're we going go. daylight saving. Don't so forget. If you're going to church somewhere, don't forget. Don't get there too late. Too late. Um. So anyway, uh, let's jump in. We rounded out Ephesians chapter three, uh, this week, um, and uh, it it you mentioned this, um, in our kind of uh pre-show meeting that um that in in some of the commentaries you re- you've read that um that I think it's in verse seventeen that yes. that's kind of. The theme of the uh, whole letter is that we are to be uh, deeply rooted in love uh, and firmly established in Christ's love. And so really good section here uh, of the Bible. I just have a few questions that I think we should talk about. Um, And Paul is praying this prayer. Once again, we mentioned that last week. He started with a prayer and then kind of deviated and... Uh, instructed the Ephesians, uh, and then went back to his prayer. And so in this prayer, um, he is kind of praying that they be enabled by the Spirit, uh, that they have power by the Spirit. And it is a prayer specifically for the Ephesians, but I love the way he ended it uh, in verse uh, 20 and 21. But 21 says this, To him be Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so if you're thinking, we just talked about the, the kind of main verse or the kind of you could wrap up Ephesians in one verse or the meaning of the, of the whole letter, meaning verse 17 in love. I think the overall arching theme of the letter and the reason Paul is writing the Ephesians is to so they'll be united in Christ. Uh, they'll be united together in Christ. They mm. want to see that they're to be. They're called to Christ, but they're also called to love one another. And so I think that's why he says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So um, I want to ask you, A, why do you think Paul ended his prayer with this sentence? Why do you think he ended it with, to him be the glory
1: in the church? Well, I think first, everything about the glory of God, and his glory has to, it has to be about his glory. So in, in the church, in the church of the body of Christ, um, to end it, I think it's a very unifying statement at the end of this prayer, again, because he is talking about bringing Jews and Gentiles together into this new body, which is going to be the church. And so I think that the way in which, because we're all here in this love, we're talking about being rooted in love, grounded in love, is that that glory in the church is a, as, is a manifestation of that love, that we have through Christ and in Christ now for one another, not just His love, but our love in one another, and that—that's truly the only way this is going to be possible—is the love that we have for one another mm-hmm. in the church, mm-hmm. and that is a love that has to be uh, evidenced. it has to be practiced, it has to be before people. You know, it's—it's—it's a—it's an outpouring of what the love Christ has for us, and so that love that we then in turn give away. Yeah, and so I think that it has to permeate everything.
0: Okay. I think, um, I think it, it's very important when Paul prays this prayer, he's praying for them. Mm-hmm. He's praying that the Holy spirit empower them in their inner being. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's talking about them. He's praying that they, um, in verse 17, again, I'll, 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 mention that verse again. It says, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, through his spirit, or sorry, sorry, through faith. I pray that you being rooted in, and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. So here he's praying that they be empowered. He's praying that they feel God's love. He's praying that they know what that is. And it's very easy to hear this prayer and say, man, this is all about me. Absolutely. Right? And I think he ends it this way to saying, hey, I'm praying all those things. I mean every single one of them when I pray them, but I'm praying them because of god's glory Glory. right i'm praying that the spirit empower you i'm praying uh, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power in your inner being i'm praying all that so that god gets the glory and i think when when the church is hearing this when the letter is being read they're hearing that you know, once again, you mentioned it that we're we're coming together as different people groups. Um, Paul is now praying for us to be empowered, to be strengthened. It's easy for them. It would have been easy for them, and I think it's easy for us. And we'll mention this in just a minute. Um, to do one or two things, think this is all about us. We're going to make this mesh. We're going to make this work. But then also, it's easy to, for them to think. Like, man, this is just like a feel-good thing. Like, we're going to feel right. good in this. And it's like, hey, listen, I'm praying all these things so that God gets glory, and you have to be in that mindset. And so I want to ask mm-hmm. you this, uh, uh, kind of diving off of that, um, how can we remind ourselves that we gather to do ministry for God's glory? What are some things we need to do to remind ourselves of that?
1: I think first probably keeping a proper attitude. Um to To make sure we're practicing humility, um, because it gets exciting. I mean, and it can get. Well, let's take both sides of the coin. It can be very exciting at times, and it can get very frustrating at times when we do ministry. And it's easy for us to put ourselves in the forefront of that because it's almost like, well, we're doing this, and we're, you know, we we get great enjoyment out of this, and so it it makes us feel like we're, we're making these accomplishments. We're doing these good things, you know. And then the part of that that gets frustrating is um, it, when we get frustrated in ministry, we also make these things about us. If we just step back and simply just say, hey, look, we've got to practice humility in this. Whatever good is happening, that that is of God. And it's not of really any effort that we're giving. It is for him. and." And so it's it's easy to 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 put ourselves ahead, and I think if we get prideful about what we see happening and we make that about us more than about God's moving in those things then then that's that's a danger mm-hmm. that we can get into one of those dangers
0: I think it's good I think a way we can remind ourselves um and oftentimes in ministry, and when I say ministry listener what i'm not I'm not saying me and Chris are talking mm-hmm. about doing our job. what I'm talking about is the church doing ministry, the church itself uh, uh, reaching people for Christ, basically living out Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where we say, Hey, you are to go, you're to baptize, you're to teach, you're to st- to disciple, make disciples. And so every church member is a minister, mm-hmm. right? Every church member is responsible for doing ministry. Right. And so that's what we're talking about when we say doing ministry, I'm not talking, this isn't a PK and Jonathan right. conversation, just about the, the paid staff here at church. Yes. Right. Um, and so, how do we need to remind ourselves that God gets the glory in that ministry, as as the church as a whole? Um, and I think it's really important for us to remember what ministry is. Mm-hmm. And so, oftentimes, when we don't give God the glory for ministry, um, we end up getting. We can often see that we're not, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, as symptoms of of not doing this and seeking glory mm-hmm. ourselves. But is oftentimes when we get upset right and and so i want you to think about when when you're not giving glory to god for ministry is oftentimes when you're upset now you can be giving glory to god and that's what makes you upset because other people aren't (laughs) right Um, but i want you to think when you get upset about ministry you need to ask yourself why am i getting upset am i upset because god's not getting the glory or am i upset because of some personal preference that isn't happening right um oftentimes we need to remind ourselves to give god glory By looking around and saying, hey, what's bringing me joy in this ministry? What's bringing me anger? What's making me upset? What's making me happy? What pleases me when I leave the church on a Sunday or a Wednesday? Uh, What determines the mood that I'm in? And ask, what are those motivating factors? And oftentimes that can tell us whether we're giving God the glory. Do we leave on a Sunday morning um, thinking, man, that was so great because we got out five minutes earlier? (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Or do we leave a Wednesday night? Thinking, man, that was awful because some lady uh, uh, didn't clean up her plate, yeah, uh, or or some kid acted a little wild. Yeah. you know what? What my or, or do we say, man? That something was lacking today, yeah. and it's because God's word wasn't yeah. wasn't taught properly in Sunday school or from the pulpit. And then that could Mm -hmm. be saying, hey, am I giving God glory or am I just kind of coming to church, doing ministry, Mm quote-unquote, for self-absorbing reasons? And I think Paul wants us to understand we do ministry. We go out and proclaim the gospel. We come to the church building um, to bring one another up, to become disciples, to build a family, to, to build God's kingdom, right. to, to see people become believers. But we do all that, not to hype ourselves up, not to say, man, look at what could, look at this church I'm yeah. a part of, look what we're doing. We do it to say, hey, man, listen, I'm just a vessel, and look what God has done yes. through this place. Uh, can, can and I we're giving a God's quick Lord. story? Yeah, for sure. For okay, sure. so
1: I, I was listening to the, one of the Christian radio stations coming in the other day. This was the other day, but it makes me think about this. And we've all heard of, and maybe you've done this too, the whole pay it forward thing in the drive-through. And it was a call in, and it was like, tell us about, you know, a time when you felt like you've, done something for somebody and the story was you know yeah they they paid for this person behind them in the drive-thru and 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 if it would have stopped right there it would have been awesome it was like yeah i just did this and you know thank you lord for allowing me to provide this but the story went on it was like and so i just pulled up and i sat and i parked because i wanted to see the reaction of the people's faces and then when i saw how excited they were about this you know i was like oh that just made me feel good and made me feel and not that that was in itself a bad testimony of god's thing but it's whole right hand, left hand a lot of times that, that when we are loving on folks and when we are like talking about ministry in the real world, not just in a church setting, sometimes we tell those types of stories to make us feel like it was more about what we did than God providing the opportunity. And and so I don't want to knock those times. I mean, you, you know, do those things. If God leads you to do that, go right ahead and do it. But, when we start, like, for example, in the story, sitting and waiting to see the response and how their response is going to make us feel, I think it begins to cross a real dangerous line. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we do those things out of love for one another, that's great. Go on. And let's just do those, you know. And so it's hard. It's a tough line for a think a lot of times. And so...
0: What do you think are some symptoms that if somebody's listening to this, they, they want to ask themselves, and and I hope that when you do listen to this, this is kind of like a, uh, kind of like a, and I don't want you to treat it like just as your only small group community, mm-hmm. but I want you to almost treat it like, hey, this is kind of like a small group, and you want to have inner dialogue with yourself. And so I want to ask you to kind of help us ask the listener to then ask themselves, what are some symptoms that you you're doing ministry you're you're I, I believe if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a believer because you're taking out time to listen to a podcast mm-hmm. um, right. but and so what are some symptoms if you're a believer listening to this and you're doing ministry um and you do ministry by how you live life what are some symptoms that you're doing it and not doing it for the glory of god what are some things you can look in your life and you can say, okay, if I see these certain symptoms, like for instance, if I have a, if I have a strep throat, some symptoms may be sore throat. Maybe (laughs) that if I have the flu, some symptoms, maybe that I'm tired, that I'm weak. And these symptoms will lead me to go to the doctor to get medication, to change the way my body is functioning. And so what are some symptoms that we're not giving God the glory that will be red signs for us to go to God's word, uh, to repent, to change something in us so that we can function
1: properly. Yeah. I think a lot of this comes back to your identity in Christ first and foremost, because and here's why I say that some things that, that I'll say that, that maybe I would see as a symptom in my own life is when I look at whatever it is, this ministry that's happening and I start questioning the effectiveness of my, of myself in it by saying, well, am I doing enough to do this? Or if I'm not, or if my ineffectiveness is, is looking at it from a results based kind of thing, well, if I don't get X amount of responses, then it must be, you know, and I think we start qualifying and qualitating all of those things when we start focusing more on how much of our impact is in the situation rather than God moving Go in the situation. Go back into that real quick yeah. about the results.
0: Sure. Talk talk about that a little bit. Like you said, if something's not happening, I feel like I'm not doing enough or something like that. Talk, yeah. talk a little bit well, about that. Yeah, and
1: you know, from a pastoral standpoint, I think if anybody, and I know you've probably been, you've been in the pulpit a lot and other pastors, one of the dangers for pastors is is they start, To sometimes talk to to go to a results based thing is to like for example if you have been if you prepared your message on Sunday and you've been faithful to do that and the altar is empty you walk away like well I I did nothing to do that and obviously God didn't honor it because nobody came forward at the altar Um, and so you start saying well you put the results of what you're trying to accomplish before the actual ministry itself. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of, and, if, and you, I mean, anybody can manipulate a message to gain a response mm-hmm. rather than just be faithful to the teaching of the word and then allowing the spirit to work in a person's life. The results of that. <clears throat> I'll say right there
0: it. that um, I'll say right there to that. That results, if you are doing ministry, let's say of any leadership, let's say you're teaching kids' church, you're teaching kids' Sunday school, mm-hmm. you're teaching adult Bible study, uh, you're pouring in to a teenager spiritually, and you don't see those results, and you get frustrated, just let me encourage you really quickly, um, because that happens a lot, that you are not, and ministry has two results oftentimes, and sometimes the first is... Better than the latter. When you are pouring into that person, when you are when you're pouring into a teenager, when you're teaching an adult Bible study, when you're teaching kids' church, when you're teaching, you grow, and allow yourself to grow, mm-hmm. and allow yourself to be effective. Serving, oftentimes, uh, uh, gets gets downplayed as well. I'm not going to grow in the Lord if I'm serving all the time, right? you got to serve to grow in the Lord. Now, some Mm. people will serve and never grow and never be a part of a community or never be in teaching and never learn. So you have to do both sides of the coin. But serving can grow you just as much as sitting and learning and teaching. And so when you're being effective and you're giving God the glory, and we kind of are going down a rabbit hole here, um, when you're serving, you yourself are being sanctified. Yeah. You yourself are learning. Allow yourself to do that. Don't get so caught up in the results. Um, mm-hmm. I have a really good friend of mine who just wrote a dissertation on uh, effective preaching and what is effective preaching. Um, and in his dissertation, he he argued, and and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. He 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 kind of take he, he he writes about what is an effective sermon, and he asked the question to himself: Isn't a af- does an effective sermon have a result. Like, it does an effective sermon, right. does it make it effective if people come to the altar, if, if nobody gets saved, is it still effective? Um, and is it? I would say, yeah, because as a pastor, you are being effective by doing what God has called you to do, no matter your audience. Right? You're being effective. You are right. doing what the Lord has called you to do. But so many of us forget that and will leave a calling because we don't see results. We leave a calling because we say, hey, we're no longer being effective mm-hmm. when really you you need to be affected yourself. I hope that makes sense. It that, does that, it that does. Makes it sense it, out? It does. Okay. It does. Okay. Absolutely does. Um, and so I do want to encourage you, no matter what uh, stage you're in in serving, um, do it to know that you are going to be affected. Um, we often think that work um, is a – a punishment from the fall in the Garden of Eden, right? We often <laughs> right. think that it is not. No. God called Adam to take care of the animals and, and man the fields before the fall. He said, hey, work's a Work, blessing. Yes, Serving is a blessing. And so we're, we're always going to be serving one another. And so in that, Um, I do want to make sure, though, that we're giving God the glory. And so going back to that, going back to that, uh, you just mentioned, don't make your effectiveness be just based on the results. Um, But going back to that, uh, I think some symptoms, and did you have any more symptoms of of where you need to look at yourself and say, hey, that's a symptom that I may not be giving God the glory. I need to go back.
1: Yeah, really and truthfully, I just think it's keeping, uh, again, it's just always, I don't necessarily think it's a symptom. But, but but it's, it's, it's just something that you have to constantly evaluate and mm-hmm. you have to constantly better yep. your, your, your thinking and, 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 and c- surround yourself with, with people that are pouring into you. I, I think one of the symptoms is, is, is going Lone Ranger on it too. You know, if you feel like you're the, you, you just go on an island here and you're like, you know, I'm doing this and, and, and this is how we're going to do it. And yep. if you're out there by yourself, then you have nobody's voice in speaking mm-hmm. into your life other than your own, which is never really a good thing. By your own self. So I just feel like, you know, accountability and, and the lack of accountability would be a symptom. If you just don't have that around you, you're going to need that and, okay. and things. So so
0: I think a couple of symptoms are look at your life and how you serve and how you do ministry. Have mm-hmm. you become prideful in that? Have mm-hmm. you become and you kind of mentioned it there being a lone ranger, mm-hmm. but like taking the reins of a certain ministry and holding them so tightly and yes. saying no one else can come in here. This is yeah. just me. That's very prideful, and God, you may not be doing it for the glory of God. You may doing it. You may be doing it because you're really prideful. Yeah. And so, if you see yourself becoming prideful, that's a symptom that you are not doing ministry for the glory and honor of God and the church. Yeah. Um, another symptom that I think. Um, it, is you not giving God glory, is that ministry causes you anger. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are doing ministry and you are very bitter and angry while you do it, um, there's a good chance you're not doing it for the glory of God. Um, It talks about just a few verses earlier, uh, once again in verse 17, about being rooted and established in love that love of Christ is going to uh, just permeate into you. It's gonna, You're going to feel very emotional about it. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to feel it's beyond understanding. Um, and so if you're doing ministry in anger, that's a good chance. You're not giving God the glory. There's no love there. And so ask yourself those two questions I think are good symptoms mm-hmm. that you may not be giving gl- God the glory in your ministry. I think a third one, uh, and I'll just throw this out there, is that your ministry isn't rooted in God's Word. Now, you may be Mm. doing something that is godly, um, but your whether your intentions with it are ungodly or unbiblical, um, or or the ministry itself is unbiblical. Ask yourself: Is the ministry I'm doing and the way in which I'm doing it is it biblical? Mm-hmm. Compare it to God's word and say: Is this ministry uh, biblical, or am I doing it um, because we always did it? I'm doing it to fill time. It can be a good thing. But it may, we make do it better if we rooted it sure. in God's word. And so, ask yourself those three things: Am I doing ministry? Am I have I become very prideful in doing ministry? Have I become angry in doing ministry? Am I doing ministry that is not based on God's word and just based on tradition? Yeah. I think if you can answer, look at your life and say, "Hey," are any of those symptoms there? And if so, I need to change something. And and I would say your first response should be repentance. Say, God. Forgive me, I'm sorry, but repentance doesn't stop there. It means, hey, I'm going to change my mind about how I do this, and I'm going to change my mind based on your word, not on my feelings. Mm. And so I think that's a good step to take. Uh, Let's move on. I didn't set a timer. I hope we don't go too long today. (laughs) I didn't check, so. Well, we'll we'll, we'll go on. We'll just ask one more question. You mentioned a good bit in your sermon, and in your conclusion, you kind of did this. You knelt uh, on your knees during your conclusion. Um, And you gave a story about a lady uh, Mm -hmm. in the hospital who would often kneel for uh, praying for her husband. And I just want to talk a little bit about the significance of kneeling. Uh, We see, and I I get that because, or I come to that question because in verse 14 it says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. And that's Paul speaking there. Why is kneeling so important?
1: Kneeling in, in this regard, and we understand it biblically, is that, you know, who do you kneel to? When we talk about things, you kneel to authority. You know, we look back, and you know, we we talked about this before the before coming on the day that you know in in the in biblical times, especially we're reading right now, in the presence of the king. When you were in the presence of the king, you knelt, and. This is, this is is for me is it's not just symbolic but it's a practical thing that Paul is doing here is he is recognizing and surrendering to the authority of God over this situation um, you know we, we you know we passively pray over people a lot all the time and it's not that just when we pray over someone we, we can stand beside them and pray and it's not that we have to kneel with them because we're not kneeling to them we're with them but but to be in the presence of God and to come to God recognizing his authority recognizing his power um, Paul, Takes this posture of of surrender, of authority, of um, also provision, all of these things that, that 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 God does and provides and gives is for His glory. Paul's not putting himself on a pedestal. He is um, showing symbolically and practicing that God is the authority of all of this, and and so it's a, a, you know this this posture that he takes on he's praying on behalf of these people surrendering what work is being done in this bringing these two groups together all under the authority of God and so i think that that by by showing this posture and this this kneeling even as that story that i shared about with this lady from a previous church it was it was very just symbolic of her completely relinquishing everything placing full trust and full faith and and full assurance in who God is and what he was going to do yeah,
0: I think that uh, kneeling oftentimes. Um, I, I I know for my younger self, and I'm not saying that to say, hey, I'm way better now. But I did think this as a kid. I don't think this now. But you see people kneeling, and you go, man, they're really spiritual. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, right. I wish right. I was that spiritual. I wish I had the confidence to kneel. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but honestly, the 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 people reading this and Paul kneeling in his uh, cell. While he's, while he's writing this and praying mm-hmm. this, it wouldn't have been totally uncommon for them to see people kneeling. In, right. um, as you mentioned, uh, in the in the presence of royalty, in the presence of their master, in the presence of a king, um, kneeling was just a respect of what you mentioned. It's submitting to authority. It's saying, you know, you're, you are over me physically, mm-hmm. but, but in every other realm, you are above me. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about kneeling and I think about the importance of kneeling, In prayer, um, I'm not going to leave this with telling you to kneel or not in prayer. Um, (laughs) But I do think their posture of kneeling was known for that. Yes. Not not spiritual, not more spiritual. It was, I am submitting to an authority by kneeling in their presence. Almost like when we stand up when the bride walks in. It's like, it's yes. like being reverent. It's an acknowledgment yeah, of or, that this is important. Yes, or yes. if a judge walks in the courtroom, it's like, hey, we're going to stand mm-hmm. opposite, opposite here. They would kneel. But it's respect. Yes. It's, hey, I'm submitting to your authority. You're in charge. I am under you. And I am taken back to Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer. And think about this as a posture in your heart. Um, Kneeling is an outward posture, but the whole reason Paul is kneeling, I believe, is because of Matthew 6 when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. He says this. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. Which meaning, he he's not saying, hey, you have to pray these exact words, exact word, yeah. But this should be your posture. So, for example, if I say, hey, Dawson, you need to ride your bike like this, right? This has to be your posture when you ride the bike. Otherwise, you're going to fall off. Like Mm -hmm. you don't want to be turned backwards away from the handlebars. You need to be like (laughs) this, right? This needs to be your posture. And so, this is what Jesus says. He says, our Father in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. Right there is a posture of kneeling. Yes. He says, our father, which our fathers are authoritative figures over us. Your name be honored as holy. Your name is just not some in, any ordinary name. Your name is holy, is perfect, is righteous. That is all accompanied in that mm-hmm. word, um, holy. Your kingdom come. Right there he's calling him a king. Right. He's saying, "Hey, your kingdom, right? Not not some other kingdom, not some other nation. Your kingdom is the one that we want to be living in. Your will be done, not my will." I, you see how this is a kneeling posture. This is a posture of, "Hey, I'm being very submissive to you. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." Hey, this kingdom don't have to wait. Exactly. This kingdom need God. We need your kingdom. We need your rule and reign, and it starts with me. I need to make your kingdom. Rule and reign right now in my life. You're the king. You're the ruler. Give us today our daily bread. I'm reminded of Joseph, um, and when he finally works his way through all the trials and tribulations that his brothers put him through, he finally makes it. Uh, and, and he and he's working with the king. And his brothers come to him for what? They literally come to him for bread. For bread. They say, Hey, I need the king to help me for bread. I have no food. And, and, and we're reminded of the, the Israelites when they're wandering. God sends them bread just enough for today. It says, God, I just need my daily bread. I just need what I need today, and you're the one that's going to be the giver. I can't, I can't give yeah. to myself. Uh, um, it says in verse 12, and forgive us of our debts. We kneel when we, when we beg. You know, we kneel and we say, you know, we're in a bed. That is a very begging posture. That 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 this group of people would have heard when when they knelt, they know we were begging for something. Sometimes we're begging the King to forgive us, God. We're asking, please forgive us of our debts, and we will also forgive others, God. If you forgive me, th- this whole posture yes. in this prayer is kneeling. Now, what I'm what I'm not going to say is, hey, you never need to kneel, right? Right. <laughs> you feel led to kneel, by all means, kneel. But I think what's more important. And Jesus argues this almost in this whole little section here, known as the Sermon on the Mount. The heart is a much more when he's worried much more about our heart than our, than our physical. He's even he even talks about that in the, feet, in, the in the verses we read. Yes, yes, when he says when he talks about your inner being, your inner. right? He cares about our hearts, and so kneeling is much more a posture in our hearts than physically kneeling. We need to kneel in our prayer when mm-hmm. we come to God in our hearts, mm-hmm. being very submissive prayer changes us uh we often think we need to pray to change god Mm -hmm. prayer changes us and it changes us because of that kneeling posture that we have Mm -hmm. that we're saying god i'm here i need you you're you're in charge you're holy so man good stuff we're moving on to ephesians chapter four uh next week excited about that excited about the unity um, we're not going to be in Ephesians much longer. No. and So been a good letter, been good stuff. Hey, thank you for listening. We will check back in next Thursday. You've been listening to the Cut Talk Podcast. Appreciate it. See you next week.